Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and once again we ask that you would help us to worship you in song and the special later this morning. And Lord, the preaching, and most of all, the invitation. Lord, that we would surrender our hearts to you and your word. I ask that I would keep the message simple and clear. Guide and direct each part, Lord, the children's church and the other services in the building this morning. Lord, we ask that you would be glorified in all that is accomplished here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz? We pray the words of that song are true in your life today, that you're walking in the sunlight of the Savior's love. Let's turn to Luke chapter 6. We're going to start and then pick up again. Uh, a, a somewhat strong verse, a very strong verse, somewhat harsh in the Bible. And uh, our series, I want to remind you, is on listening to God. We've been working at this for several weeks now. Uh, I believe this is the fifth uh, Sunday that we've been on the same subject. We've uh, looked at this from different angles. Uh, the pattern of listening to God is creation. God spoke. Everything that became out of nothing, everything out of nothing became. Man's pattern, we went from literally Genesis all the way to Revelation. Man's pattern is not listening to God. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. How was Noah prepared? Well, he'd been listening to God all his life before God showed up and told him how to build an ark. God is not going to give you instruction in some fantastic way until you've been obeying him every day. Amen? And uh, then last Sunday we talked about the wise man and the foolish man. Jesus said, if you're going to listen, if you're going to follow me, I'm going to like you, liken you to a wise man that built his house upon a rock. And if you're going to hear my words and not do them, I'm going to liken you to a foolish man that built his house upon the sand. And this morning, we're going to start in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. Jesus asked the question, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. Let's read that again. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? It's going to happen. Uh, I doubt there's a person in here that has not used this phrase, the title of this morning's message, at one time or another, trying to communicate. Oftentimes, my wife will not use it chidingly. Uh, she believes that uh, as I grow older, I'm having hearing loss. And uh, I've been to the doctor. My ears are fine. It's the brain where the problem is, amen? Amen. How many of you have had some... Did you hear me? How many of you have heard that? 
When someone asks you that question, how many of you already knew what they said? Come on. Most of the time, when we ask that question, uh, we're not asking a person, um, are you hard of hearing? What we're saying is, you know what I said, why aren't you doing it? Isn't that true? Uh, Teenagers develop a very serious medical condition. It's called selective deafness. When you say, would you like a $10 bill? They could be earbuds in, cranked up all the way. And they're going to hear that. And they'll show up and the hand will be out. And they get a little older. I'll loan you the keys to the car. There, I mean, they're there. Would you mind taking out the trash? Would you mind taking out the garbage? I can't hear you. Isn't that the way it works? Now, teenagers, we're not picking on you, all right? Because every person in here that is old enough not to be a teenager was at one time. Amen? It's just part of it. And and that's the way human nature is. And and I want to challenge you. Do we have time for one more funny story? Every time I think about listening, I think of my grandfather. My grandfather was a very fun-loving man. My grandmother uh, was not. And uh, my grandmother used to really get upset with my grandfather. And she would start chiding him and explaining how things ought to be done. And, and my grandfather would get to the point where he had had enough. And he would get up from the table and start walking outside. And grandma would follow him. And she was still talking. And grandpa was still listening. But you'd see one hand just carelessly go up. He just turned off a hearing aid. Grandma was still talking. She was following him as he was going down the pathway. By the way, it was about a quarter mile walk from the house to the garden. And somewhere between that, uh, during that walk, as Grandma was following Grandpa, trying to explain to him things that she felt that he needed to hear, the hand would come up and off would go one hearing aid. And then not before too long, the hand would go up on the other side and off would go the other hearing aid. And Grandpa couldn't hear a thing. I mean, you could shout in his ear. If he turned those things off, it just didn't matter. He was not hearing you. And while that story provided a great deal of humor to me as a young child, and I think most of you are smiling this morning as you hear that story, it also is a great warning 
Because do we not often treat God the same way? You see, God's plan is for everybody to hear. Now, praise God, you don't have to hear with your ears. God wants you to hear with your heart. And I want us to turn to a passage that we've been to several times, and even in this series we've been there once, Romans chapter 1, and just get your fingers ready here, nimble them up a little bit if you need to. Uh, We're going to be looking at several passages of Scripture. Romans chapter 1, you see, God wants us to hear. He wants the world to hear. He wants every living human being to hear his message. And as we are looking through Roman through our Bible, why don't we go back to verse 16 and here's Paul writing to the church that was established in the city of Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his internal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Now here we have Paul writing to the Romans and he's explaining to them that we have the gospel of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm not ashamed of the message of Christ. Now, why would Paul have opportunity to be ashamed of the message of Christ? Remember, he was preaching to the Romans, writing to the Romans here. The cross was not a new thing with the Romans. It was an ancient method of torture and capital punishment. But truly, the Roman government had perfected this thing called crucifixion. They had made it the most hideous and horrible form of capital punishment known to mankind. How did Jesus die? on a Roman cross. The Roman governor had to give the proclamation and the order for execution. It was Roman guards that marched him from the fortress in the city of Jerusalem outside the wall. It was Roman soldiers that nailed him to that cross. 
It was a Roman spear that pierced his side. It was a Roman death certificate that certified that Jesus was dead. Paul was writing to the Romans. He was explaining to them the good news of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel of Christ? Read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. The gospel, the good news, is the death of Jesus Christ according to the scriptures. It is the burial of Jesus Christ and it is his resurrection from the dead according to the scriptures. Now Paul was writing this message to the Romans. And he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed to tell you that my Savior died on a Roman cross. But he also destroyed the authority and the power of Rome when he broke the seal and came out of the tomb. Because he is the God of heaven. And we're here to worship him today. And there may be some here today that really don't understand the good news. It says of Jesus Christ, it says that in verse 16, um, I'm sorry, verse 17, that therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. One of the challenges as a pastor is to stand in this pulpit week after week, year after year. I remember we were talking with Brother Horton just yesterday at an ordination of a new pastor into the ministry out on Long Island. And... Uh, we were joking about someone else. He was talking about a great preacher. And he said, you know, that preacher only has three sermons. He preaches it a little different every time, but he's only got three messages. And we were laughing about that. But we stop and we really think, how many different messages does a Bible preacher have? Got one message. Jesus crucified, buried, and risen again. That's the only message we have. It's the only good news you will ever hear. Every other bit of good news has something attached to it, does it not? I remember the first time my wife went to the doctor and came back. We're going to have a baby. That was good news. But now we've got to pay for it. And the 11 elders that followed. Listen. No matter how good the news is in its life, there's always something attached to it. The only good news that is truly good news is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And it says that that faith is revealed unto faith, faith unto faith. How does that work? Well, we do, I wish we had time to put the whole message right here on that one phrase this morning. Maybe the Lord will give liberty to do that at a future time. But just to, to abbreviate this thing so we can get the pattern, 
is you have to begin to believe God's word where you are. And as you believe a little part of God's word, God will add to it. The reason people never get enough faith to be saved, to turn away from the world in which they live, their own thought processes, their own ideas, their own religion, everything else, why they can't sacrifice that for the cause of Christ is because they never start in faith. And Paul is going back. He says, listen, the righteousness of God is revealed in the message of Christ. Why did Jesus die for us? Because you can't die for yourself. You can't pay the price for your own sins. Every one of us has sins, and until you're willing to admit yourself as a sinner, as a person that cannot save themselves, you're not going anywhere in faith. But if you want to get started, look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So, what's that last phrase there? Let's read it out loud together. So that they are without excuse. You know what that says? It says there's no excuse. You say, why is there no excuse? What, what is God saying here? The God, God's plan is for all to hear. But all you have to do is open your eyes. How many of you here would consider yourselves a student of history? You like to study and read stories. Okay, let me see here. If, okay, I see three hands, four hands go up. This is going to be a long sermon, okay? You four, bear, bear with us here. The rest of us, we've got to get some history, all right? Does anybody know the name Benedict Arnold from American history? Benedict Arnold the What? Traitor. He was a traitor. He really was. And, and his worst part of treachery dealt with the fort that we now hold our military academy in, West Point. He was trying during the Revolutionary War to deliver that fort into the power of the British Navy. If the British Navy could control West Point they would have effectively sliced the colonies in half. Remember, the bulk of the people living in the American colonies at that time, the largest city at that time was Philadelphia. The next largest city would have either been Boston or New York. Split the Hudson River. And all the northern colonies, Connecticut, and all of New England would be separated from New York. 
Philadelphia could be taken at any time with the British Navy just uh, sailing up the Delaware River, and that's what happened a few, during the Revolution. How many of you know that before his treachery, Benedict Arnold was one of the greatest soldiers and military leaders in the Revolutionary Army? His prowess on the battlefield was second only to George Washington, and in many minds and many leaders, he was a far greater soldier than George Washington ever could hope to become. What happened? After he had sided with the British, he had, he had led a daring raid and captured several uh, uh, Continental Army members, and he was interrogating one of them, and he said, I want to know what you guys think of me. And the man wouldn't answer him, and he kept prodding him and kept prodding him. And finally, the man's reply was this, is recorded in history. He said, we would take your leg that was lamed in the cause of liberty and pin a medal on it. He said, we would then take the rest of you and hang it in a giblet. You see... Did Benedict Arnold know what was right and the cause of truth? Oh, yeah. Was he unrighteous in betraying himself and the people he had pledged his allegiance to? Yeah. You see, Benedict Arnold was destined to become and should have rightly become the greatest soldier of the revolution. But because of his unrighteous, money-grabbing heart, and that's what it was all about, he became the most defamed man in American history. You see... The Bible says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. I'm giving you just one example. And I'm reaching back into American history so no one can, can, can accuse me of political avarice. But... Think of all of the quote-unquote great people through history who have ended up on the ash heap of reputation because of wickedness in their hearts and in their lives. Hello? Think about that. And yet the majority of people living today will choose unrighteousness over the righteousness that God offers in His Scripture. The Bible says there is no excuse. You can look up into the heavens. I'm not sure of all the facts and figures, so I'm not trying to be misquoted here. I'm mis trying to give you misinformation. 
But our scientists have recently recorded what is known as a supernova. That's where a star basically explodes. And they said that, if I'm remembering correctly, that more energy was released in space from that one explosion than has been developed by mankind in all of the history of this planet called Earth. And supernovas happen on a fairly regular basis. How can you look at something with so much power and say, it got there by chance? How can you look at a universe that has so much order and say, ah, I think it was Huxley, one of the early defenders of evolution and atheism and anything that hate had, had to do with hating God. He said, all you would need to do is for evolution to happen is put all the parts of a watch in a box and shake until you hear a tick. Um, we have any volunteers to shake the box? Somebody did the math. And if you had every part, now remember a watch has to have dozens of intricately machined parts that have to fit exactly together and work in order to make a watch tick. The old wind-up mainspring watches. Um, he did the math. Even if we had all of the pieces of one watch, took it apart and shook it up in a box, it was 10 with like 10,000 zeros behind it of the chances of shaking that box until you got a tick. It's impossible. There's not enough time in all of history, even with the 5 billion years they claim that the earth has existed, to shake the box and get a tick. It's not going to happen, my friend. How did we get here? Well, it says that we can see the wrath of God revealed from heaven against unrighteousness. We gave the story of Benedict Arnold. We can see his power and his Godhead. We go back to creation. There is no excuse. Not to hear the truth of God. Let's look at the book of Titus chapter 2. Did you hear me? You know what? God never asked that question. The book of Titus. Chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For the grace of God, Titus 2, verse 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. 
Now, there's a lot of people that may have a question in their heart. How, how, how did God appear to all men? We, we know that preachers didn't go here and there. And, 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 and Well, read verse 12. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Has there ever been a group of people in the history of mankind that said murder is good? Could I challenge you? That has never happened. Now, you go into some of the tribal situations and someone murders someone, then what happens? Well, then the tribe... Uh, of the murdered man will go over and find somebody of the tribe of the murderers and kill them. And, and then they'll say, hey, you killed one of our people, and they'll go back. That's happened many times in Papua New Guinea. And uh, by the way, it's not only in the jungles. Study the history of Yugoslavia. Uh, the, what became the nation of Yugoslavia has people have done that. Study the history of almost any group of people. But there is no group of people, even in the horribleness of the frontier wars with the Indians and the scalpings and all of those things, you know what? It was still done under the auspice of war. You didn't just go out and indiscriminately kill people. If you wanted a warrior's reward, you had to do it in battle. You see, the Bible here says that God put something in the heart of every human being that convicts us sin is sin. How many of you remember before you were saved? And you would involve yourself in some activity that is ungodly and yet you felt perfectly justified in involving yourself in that activity, whether it was immorality or drugs or alcohol consumption or any of these things, and you, you did that, and when you finally sat down and thought about what you just did, you felt dirty inside. Anybody remember that? You weren't saved? But there was something there that said it was wrong. That is the grace of God working in your life. And I want to challenge you, you don't have to come to a church like this and hear a sermon like this to know that sin is sin. That's why God never asked you the question, did you hear me? Because you have. All you have to do is open your eyes. And you can see that the wicked of this world do not get ahead. All they may in the short run 
But immorality does not bring satisfaction, now does it? Ignoring God and His Word does not bring wisdom, does it? We have psychological hospitals full of people because they're guilty about the things they've done and they have no place to get rid of their guilt because they refuse to accept that that guilty, dirty feeling is the grace of God that is driving them to this book called the Bible and to the truth of a man who died on a Roman cross to pay the price for their sins. Could we say amen? You see, God's plan is for all to hear. I want you to take a moment with me and let's go to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 33. If you're in the book of Daniel or those little books, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, you're too far back, head toward the front of your Bible. If you're in Isaiah or Jeremiah, keep heading toward the back, you'll get there. Ezekiel chapter 33. We're only going to read the first six verses of the chapter. Ezekiel chapter 33. Verse 1, God is speaking to Ezekiel, a prophet of the children of Israel. He is explaining some things about this very thing. He's already told Ezekiel, I'm going to send you to a people that understand everything you say and they're not going to hear a word you preach. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm glad that I'm not Ezekiel. He said, I'm going to send you to a people that aren't going to listen to a word you say. But I'm still going to send you. Remember, the overall theme is listening to God. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, When I bring a sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, If when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Now this is God speaking to Ezekiel. He said, God's judgment is coming and you tell the people of the land that if they'll take someone and set them up as a watchman to warn them and he blow the trumpet, he sound the alarm that the, the, the enemy is coming, that anyone that taketh heed to the watchman's message 
is going to save their life. But if the watchman does not sound the alarm, guess what? That person is going to die. But I'm going to require it at the watchman's hand. Now read with me very carefully verse 7. I wish we had time to go the whole way through the chapter today, but it says, So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. This is the job of the Christian. This is the job of the servant of God. And God hasn't only called preachers to be his servant. He calls every person who names the name of Christ to be his servants. We are to warn. God wants us to warn. But you know something? Sometimes people won't listen. Because you've done something that hinders the sound of your trumpet. God's going to hold each individual responsible for sin. For their own sin. But he's also going to hold his children responsible for not warning the world in which they live. Of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now we have to be careful. How we warn. I remember a guy. He put a big banner on top of his car. The Pope is a dope. Actually did this. And he drove all over the city in which he lived with this banner flying. Because he wanted to be a warning to the people of his city. I want to challenge you. Nobody was listening. And in fact, if his trumpet call, should we call it that, had any effect. It was to drive people further away from the truth, right back to the thing that he was trying to save them from. I want to challenge you that God's word has already gone out. I believe that you need to live the life of the Savior in the world in which you live. If people are going to listen to you, warn them about the judgment to come. Could we say amen to that? And when we do not... We hinder the sound of the gospel going forward. Every once in a while someone will say, I don't go to church, it's full of hypocrites. My favorite little rebuttal is, uh, are there any hypocrites where you work? I mean, I could ask Brother Franz, are there any hypocrites in the Department of Education? 
I could ask Miss Jennifer, are there any hypocrites in the NYPD? Uh, are they any hypocrites in your firm? In the place where you work? Uh, are there any shortage of hypocrites anywhere? Uh, let me tell you, if you're a living human being, you've been a hypocrite at one time or another. And chances are you will be one again sometime in your life. A hypocrite is just somebody who's pretending to be something that they are not. Are you going to let a hypocrite keep you out of heaven and send you to hell for all eternity? I don't know any hypocrites that's worth that, do you? You see, the sound of God's word is gone out into all the universe. All we have to do is look at the power that is contained in this universe and understand that somebody had to put it there. You cannot... The, how many of you remember the old wind-up clocks? I, I have one in my office. I, I love those things. But you know what? You have to take, it takes more effort to wind the spring than is contained in the spring. The person who put all this power in the universe has to have more power than is being released. Not at one single time. But all of the power that's been released all through the history of this universe, God has to have more power than that because he put it there. Global warming fans, one volcanic eruption, Mount Pinatubo, I'm not even sure where it was, released more greenhouse gases. I believe it was in the Philippines, wasn't it? One explosion of one volcano released more greenhouse gases than all the history of mankind combined. Just one. Where did all that power come from? Somebody had to put it there. We look at human history. One of the greatest emperors had the most promise of any man that ascended the throne at Rome was a guy named Nero. You know what? Nobody even calls their dog Nero today. Because he was a wicked, debauched man. We gave the story of Benedict Arnold. We could give stories until it's next Sunday morning of people who were great and should have been great but because of wickedness in their lives destroyed everything about them and everything around them. That's God saying, open your eyes. You're not going to win by sin. You're not going to advance yourself. 
God will hold you responsible, but he's also going to hold his people responsible for warning the people in the town in which we live. Don't worry about the aborigines. Get the guy that lives next door. God will take care of the aborigines. But you'd better warn the person you can warn. Amen? Let's go to Matthew chapter 25. We're almost done. Matthew chapter 25. We often ask the question, did you hear me? God asks the question, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? In Matthew 25, Jesus gives a parable to illustrate this point, and we're going to have to do this very quickly. The last guy was given one talent, that is a 75-pound weight of precious Uh, Metal, usually silver, when it's not designated as a talent of gold. 75 pounds of silver, you figure it out. 13 ounces a pound, about $60 an ounce or something like that right now. Uh, Not a small sum of money. You want to figure it out in the Bible economy? It worked out to be about 116 days wages. So... Roughly a third of a year's pay. Not an insignificant sum of money. And he called his uh, servants into account as they had been given this amount of differing amounts of money. And this last guy says in verse 24, I believe it is. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man. Reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth, and lo, there hast that is thine. Did the servant with the one talent receive a nice reward from his master? No. The next verse, verse 26, And his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance." But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath, and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the story that Jesus is giving, illustrating service to the Lord. This last guy comes up, and he starts doing what all of us are very good at doing, making excuses. He said, you're a hard man. He said, there's no way to please you. How many of you have ever thought about that? 
How can I please God? There's no way. I sin every day. I'm here to tell you this story is explaining something to us. You see, the reason we do not serve God God's way is not because we don't know what God wants us to do. It's because we don't want to do what God wants us to do. It's not because we cannot be saved. It's because we don't want to give up the world to embrace only Christ. It's not because we can't whatever, fill in the blank. It's because we like those little sins in our lives. We used to have an old program and make fun of life and things. It was just a comedy show. And one of the things was uh, little sayings in the show was, oh, I'm never one to repeat gossip, so you better listen close the first time. They had it all put to music. It was really sweet. How many lives have been destroyed by gossip? How many have? Only God knows. But isn't it fun learning all that information? What are you going to do with it? Um, there's just a lot of things we don't need to know in this life, and it's better enough not knowing. Amen? You see, we know what the Bible says, but we know that we can never measure up. And so we live our life our own way, and we don't listen to God. Have you ever wished God would just come up behind you? Don't you hear me? But would it do any good? When your mother did that, did you stop what you were doing and all of a sudden obey her? Or did you just kind of keep going in the same direction? You see, that's why God never asked that question. He says, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? You got a question? If you're here today and you're not saved, don't call Jesus Lord and not trust him with your soul. He will save you. By the way, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If you're holding on to unforgiven sin and you won't let God forgive you, you're just as bad. 
as the person who won't ask God to forgive them. Because God will forgive you. That's what this book called the Bible says. By the way, if someone has hurt you and injured you and you will not forgive them, the Bible says if you don't forgive others from your heart, God's not going to forgive you. I could go on and on. We could name sins. I'm asking you to let the Holy Spirit name sins. Because you see, God's plan is for all to hear. And there's never been a person who has ever lived anywhere in this earth that has not felt wrong about their sin because the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us the denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. We can look at history. We can look at men who have sat in the office of President of the United States and have chosen wickedness in their lives and seen the results of that. Yet, all of us know somebody. Every one of us in this room knows somebody that died young because of sinful decisions in their lives. Do we not? Every one of us do. That's the voice of God calling to you. Get saved today. Repent of your sins today. If you're saved, what's the next thing to do? Get baptized, amen? Identify with Jesus Christ in his church. What's the next thing to do? Serve God in the church. Well, what if the pastor makes a mistake? Welcome to the human race, amen? The pastor's going to make mistakes. But you let God take care of those things and we'll keep moving forward for him, amen? And have been for 20 years now almost. Am I going to hold a grudge against another human being? The only person you're hurting is yourself. God will take care of that. We can forgive from our hearts because Jesus paid the price for every sin. If you're holding on to something, you're not listening. Don't call him Lord. If you want him to be your Lord, you've got to do what he says. And all God's people say. Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, we ask that you would convict us in our own hearts of our own shortcomings and let us not look on the lives of others. Lord, I pray that we would let this verse ring in our hearts through this week. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say?
Lord, that you would give us hearts that have open ears. That would not only hear, but would do in agreement with your word. We look to you, dear Lord, and ask you to work. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.